Hello, welcome back to Two Sisters and a TV and a brand new episode. An episode that once again has been influenced by a YouTube video. Now, I saw the other night a video and the title caught my attention. The title was The 10 Worst Songs of 1976. And this guy... uh, He's done like several different years, but I saw the one for 1976. And this guy was just being really detailed and specific. And I mean, he, some of the songs that he named, I, I, you know, kind of went along with like Disco Duck, really bad song. Can't believe that song was number one. And that they actually did it on Soul Train. Still can't believe it. And then he also mentioned Letter In by John Travolta, which not the best song, I must admit. I mean, John Travolta, of course, was huge, huge star, huge sex symbol, heartthrob, due to Welcome Back Cotter. And, uh, you know, I think, I'm not really sure how he got up into singing, but I think that he did that as to kind of promote his image. I know that on the Donna Reed show I read, um, Tony Owen, who was the producer and also Donna Reed's husband at the time, pretty much pushed both Shelley Fabre and Paul Peterson to go into the world of singing. Shelley didn't want to sing at all. But interestingly enough, she went on to have a number one hit song in 1962 called Johnny Angel. Paul Peterson went on to have some hits as well, including My Dad and She Rides With Me. So I think maybe that's what John Travolta was doing at the time. Let her in. Uh, like I said, I mean, it's like it's not the greatest song, but I could take it or leave it. You know, I wouldn't call it one of the worst songs of the year, though. But some of the songs this guy mentioned, I just didn't agree with at all. This guy is talking about um, Boogie Fever by The Silvers, which... My favorite song of the Silverers, I must admit, Boogie Fever is not my favorite by them. My favorite songs by them are Hotline and High School Dance. He also mentions Shannon by Henry Gross. And the song, of course, uh, Carl Wilson of the Beach Boys taught Henry Gross how to sing. And when Carl's uh, dog died, Shannon was written. The song is about, I thought Shannon, as I heard all the time on the radio when I was little, I thought Shannon was about a girl, you know, a teenage girl or something. Uh, but it was about uh, Carl Wilson's dog. And the guy was just going on and on about the dog and about the songs about a dog dying. And, you know, and then he slammed the captain into Neil, which I love the Captain and Tennille. I always have. I still like their music. And he had Shop Around, which of course was a Smokey Robinson and the Miracle Song, their remake. He had that on the list. And the thing that shocked me the most, he had If You Leave Me Now by Chicago on his list. Now, If You Leave Me Now, okay, when I first heard the song in 1976, scared the hell out of me. I remember the first time I heard that song. We had gone to Safeway, my mother and my grandmother and I. It was a Saturday afternoon. And my grandmother, no, my mother went in the store to get something. She went into Safeway to get something. And the radio was on in the car. And I was sitting in the car with my grandmother. And If You Leave Me Now came on the radio. 
and just Peter Cetera's wailing falsetto, along with the music itself, just it was just too much for me. I was so scared of that song; it was unbelievable. I couldn't wait for it to go off. I wasn't going to ask for the radio for the radio to be turned off, but I was so happy when that song went off. I was so scared of it. But of course, you know, being much older now, I, you know, love that song. It's a beautiful, haunting uh, love song. Peter Cetera actually wrote that song to his wife at the time because she was, you know, going to leave him. And that's why he wrote the song. The song won a Grammy, but his wife still left him. However, Again, that's not one of the worst songs of 1976. Of course, the top of the list, and this did not surprise me at all, the top of his list uh, was Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. Or was it the Starland Vocal Group? I can't remember if it was group or band, but we all know Afternoon Delight, which I like Afternoon Delight. The song, I must admit, it's about sex in the afternoon, but the song, the music for me, it's very mid 70s. It just screams mid 70s. And of course, that was a, you know, carefree time in my life. So I like listening to it because that's what it sounds like those carefree childhood days. So, you know, I get why he put it on there because a lot of people hate Afternoon Delight, although it too won a Grammy. It beat Boston out at the Grammys uh, for um, some award. But, uh, and then he had the nerve to put the Beach Boys in it with their remake of Chuck Berry's rock and roll music. So this guy, I mean, I didn't agree with most of the stuff that he was saying, but it got me to thinking about, if he's talking about the music from 1976, of course, I got to thinking about the TV from 1976. So I went and did my homework and I found the list of the top 30 shows at the end on American television at the end of the, or for rather, the 1975-1976 TV season. I went and I looked it up, and I'll read that list to you now, starting at the bottom with number 30. The 30th TV show in the country at that time, it was a tie between Police Woman and Monday Night Football over on ABC. Of course, Monday Night Football, those were the days of Howard Cosell and Frank Gifford and Don Meredith. Now, I know those guys because my grandfather watched it every week. And so, yeah, that's how come I know about those guys and Monday Night Football. Number 29, The Carol Burnett Show. Number 28, my handwriting, oh my gosh. Well, there's a tie, actually. You have Donnie and Marie tied with the Bob, no, the streets of San Francisco. They are tied. And then just above those two shows, Chico and the Man is tied with the Bob Newhart Show. At number 24, you have Good Times. 23, the Sonny and Cher show, because Sonny and Cher came back in 1976, and their show lasted until 1978. That's when I fell in love with Sonny and Cher. Uh, Number 22, Beretta. 21, The Jeffersons. Number 20, Kojak. 19, The Ray Tyler Moore Show. 18, Welcome Back, Cotter. 16 uh, and 17, it's a tie again between Starsky and Hutch and Good Heavens. I don't know anything about Good Heavens. I'd have to look that one up. Um, 14, another tie, 14 and 15, you've got the Waltons tied with MASH. 
13, the ABC Sunday Night Movie. Number 12, One Day at a Time, which was in its first season. Um, Number 11, Happy Days. Number 10, the ABC Monday Night Movie. Number 9, The Six Million Dollar Man. Number 8, well, where's number 8? I wrote this down, so I think I missed number 8. I think I was writing so fast. I I, I see number 7, I don't see number 8. Number seven, Sanford and Son. Oh, I see what I did. Sanford and Son and Rhoda were tied. That's seven and that's eight. So Sanford and Son and Rhoda. Number six, Phyllis. Five, The Bionic Woman. Four, Maud. Three, Laverne and Shirley. Two, the miniseries Rich Man, Poor Man. And the number one show in the country as of 1976 was All in the Family, which had been the number one TV show for five years. So I got to thinking about not only the top 30 shows for that period, but I got to thinking about what TV shows started in 1976 and what TV shows ended in 1976. Well, for the TV shows that ended, you had Marcus Welby, which ended after seven years, had a great run. Also, SWAT ended. SWAT wasn't on for very long. I think it was on for like about maybe a year and a half. Uh, that starred Robert Urich and Steve Forrest uh, and Felton Perry. Also, The Land of the Lost ended in 1976, as did The Rookies. That's what freed Kate Jackson up for Charlie's Angels. Also, Medical Center ended. The Adventures of Ellery Queen over on NBC. Harry O with David Jansen. Petroselli. Tony Orlando and Dawn, The Mac Davis Show, Cannon with William Conrad, that lasted for five years, Cher, Cher had her own show for a while that ended in 76, and she went on to do Sonny and Cher again that same year, and also Grady, which was a spinoff from Sanford and Son, where you, uh, Remember the episode of Sanford and Son where Grady, you saw him living with his daughter and her family in Westwood? Well, they turned that into a TV show. It did not last very long. And that's when it ended was in 1976. So those were some of the shows that came to an end that year. But if you look at the TV shows that began in 1976, you've got some amazing ones. Now, when I went to do my homework for that, now I had to actually write down a lot of the shows, most of the shows that ended in 76. But when I began to write down the shows that started in 1976, I did not have to do as much homework. Shows were just pouring out of my head onto my sheet of paper because so many of the shows that started that year I was watching, I watched regularly. They were a, they were staples um, throughout my childhood. There were some amazing TV shows that came into being that year, beginning with Laverne and Shirley. Now, of course, Laverne and Shirley was a spinoff of Happy Days. Laverne and Shirley were friends of the Fonz, and they were so popular on Happy Days, so well-received, so well-liked, that Gary Marshall, who produced Happy Days, gave them, he was also Penny Marshall's brother, gave them their own spinoff. Well, Laverne and Shirley was successful right from the very beginning. Like I just mentioned, they were the third show 
in the top 30 for the 1975-76 season. So that shows just how popular that show was out of the gate. It was funny, it was fresh, and it was, you know, very nostalgic, total 1950s life. And the girls were working at the brewery, and then you had all the supporting characters like Lenny and Squiggy, and... uh, Carmine, aka the Big Ragu, and then you had um, Laverne's dad, and so it was a hilariously funny show. Oftentimes, funnier to me anyway than Happy Days was. Happy Days could be annoying, especially when it went before a live studio audience. And I found out why they did that by watching an interview with Ron Howard that he did a few months ago. Because Good Times was on opposite Happy Days. And Good Times was slaughtering Happy Days in the beginning. Good Times was killing it. And they attributed it to the fact that it was it was taped for a studio audience, a live studio audience. And so they decided, and they saw the popularity of JJ, and they decided to, you know, put Happy Days for a live studio audience and kind of give the Fonz that same type of a setting as JJ did. Well, it worked, and Happy Days wound up becoming the number one show in the country for the 1976-77 season. So, uh, but still, Happy Days, I, if, yeah, if I had to have a choice, give me Laverne and Shirley. Definitely. Happy Days, I do like the first two seasons when it was really authentically about the 50s. I mean, it stayed authentic for a while, but then, of course, by 1978, these guys looked like they were in 1978, except for Henry Winkler, but everybody else was walking around looking like they were living in the modern day, except for Henry Winkler and Marion Ross, but everybody else, they were not looking like people from the 1950s or the early 60s. And, of course, the whole show was about the Fonz. But this is for another time, another day, another episode. So, okay, let me stop. Um, also, beginning in 1976 was the Battle of the Network Stars. That began in that fall, I think November, October or November. It made its debut on ABC. And it was like reality TV, like the first taste of reality TV. Because what you had, there were only three networks back then, of course. And you had teams from people from all three networks competing against competing against each other for money. They were not playing, you know, for charity or anything like that. What they won, the money they won, they could keep. And it was fascinating to see these people not in their TV show characters, but the the real actors and actresses out there competing for this money. So for the very first installment you had, the ABC captain was Gabe Kaplan. The NBC captain was Robert Conrad, and the CBS captain was Telly Savalas. Now, of course, ABC wound up winning. It was, NBC was out of it pretty early on. Uh, So you basically had the tug of war between CBS and ABC, and ABC happened to pull it out at the end. Now, among those on the teams for ABC, you had Linda Carter and Farrah Fawcett. Need I say more? For CBS, you had Jimmy Walker and Pat Harrington from One Day at a Time, Jimmy Walker, I think I just said Jimmy Walker, didn't I? Uh, Mackenzie Phillips, Lee Merriweather from Barnaby Jones, Loretta Swit, Bill Macy from Maud, and then from NBC, you had Damond Wilson from Sanford and Son, you had the hot Ben Murphy, who had years ago been on Alias Smith and Jones. Um, you had Melissa Gilbert, not Melissa Gilbert, Melissa Sue Anderson from Little House on the Prairie, as well as Karen Grasley. 
And um, so, yeah, it was fascinating to see Battle of the Network stars. I mean, that went on through the 80s. The last installment aired in 1988. So, uh, yeah, that debuted in 1976 as well. Definitely a game changer when it came to TV. Also debuting in 1976, The Bionic Woman, which also ended up in the top 10 at the end of the 75-76 season. It ended, like I said, at number 5. It was actually ahead of The Six Million Dollar Man, which I can see why. I mean, I loved J.B. Summers. I loved The Bionic Woman. Just would jump around the furniture and run in slow motion the way she did and would try to, you know, use my bionic skills, my imaginary bionic skills. So yeah, that, that show, uh, again, another big success. All of these shows, as a matter of fact, were all, they all made their debut over on ABC, which is why ABC for the first time was the number one network in the country. And of course this shows why. Also debuting in 1976 was the Captain and Tennille's variety show also on ABC. Love that show. Watch it every Monday night. They had great musical acts, great guest stars. I mean, they had Muhammad Ali. They had Charlie's Angels. They had the Happy Days cast. They had the What's Happening cast. They had Red Fox. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, They had Tina Turner. But they decided after... The show was renewed for a second season, but they decided that they wanted to focus solely on their music. And so they opted out and decided not to continue with the show. Also debuting on ABC in 1976 was Family Feud, which debuted that July, July 12th, 1976. And also debuting in 1976 were The Muppet Show and What's Happening and Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and Alice, and Quincy, and Donnie and Marie. And of course, we cannot mention 1976 TV debuts without mentioning the biggest debut of them all, Charlie's Angels, also on ABC. Charlie's Angels was a spinoff initially meant for Kate Jackson, who had been on the Rookies for four years. Charlie's Angels made its uh, debut. It was a pilot movie and it debuted that uh, March of 1976. The ratings were so spectacular that the network re-ran the pilot because they couldn't believe the ratings were that good. They thought that it had to have been a mistake. Well, they re-ran it like two weeks later or a month later and the ratings were just as solid. So they decided to turn it into a weekly series. It debuted September 22nd, 1976 at 10 p.m., Eastern Time, and TV and pop culture have not been the same. Charlie's Angels definitely made a huge impact. Kate Jackson, Farrah Fawcett Majors, as she was at the time, and Jacqueline Smith changed everything. For one thing, they were walking around without bras, and that too change things. That's where that jiggle TV phrase came from, which I, you know, think it's half funny, half annoying. But these girls, it's not just the fact that they were gorgeous because they were absolutely breathtakingly beautiful, but it was the fact that it was the first time that women were really pretty much, I mean, yeah, you had Charlie, 
But Charlie was never on the scene when they were out there fighting crime and they were taking on cases. Charlie was never there. Bosley was involved, but oftentimes Bosley was at the office or he was trying to find where the angels were. These girls were out there a lot of time on a lot of the time they were out there on their own and they were out there fighting the bad guys and almost getting themselves hurt, almost getting themselves killed. And they were escaping and helping each other out or they were doing it on their own by themselves. They were very self-sufficient. They were very independent. They were very smart. They were not catty. That's the thing I like about Charlie's Angels. They were not catty with each other. They didn't bicker. They didn't argue. They were very independent, very mature women. And I respected that about them. I liked that a lot. And the the dialogue, I must admit, in the first season was really bad. The dialogue was very cringe-worthy. I mean, some of the lines that they said in season one, especially in the beginning, yeah, it makes me cringe even today, all these years later. But nobody cared about the dialogue. It was all about the way they looked, the clothes, the hair, especially Farrah's hair which, as Jacqueline Smith has said, had its own hotline. Everybody wanted to have a Farrah Fawcett hairdo. Women still have Farrah Fawcett hairdos today in 2022. And Farrah Fawcett, of course, was the breakout, the breakout star of that show. I mean, you had Farrah Fawcett necklaces, Farrah Fawcett mugs, not to mention her poster. You had the Charlie's Angels memorabilia alone. You had... Charlie's Angels notebooks, posters, dolls. A lunchbox came later. There was a board game. There was the Charlie's Angels dream house, the Charlie's Angels van, the trading cards. And I had a lot of that stuff. There was a purse. My mom was very cool and very liberal when it came to really endorsing my Charlie's Angels obsession. But I introduced her to this show. You know, she didn't know about it. My whole family didn't know about it. I introduced them all to it. They all fell in love with it. And she, you know, I think she saw them as good role models for me, which they really were. And so when I wanted to buy something of Charlie's Angels, she was always, you know, more than happy to buy me what I asked her for. I didn't have the dream house. I didn't have the van. I didn't get the board game until I was an adult. Um, I did have the lunch kit. I had the purse. I had the trading cards. I had a notebook. I had all the dolls. And one of the things that I wanted for my sixth birthday was a Farrah Fawcett doll. Naturally, the doll was on back order. Uh, So I didn't get it for my birthday. I got it about maybe a week later and was so excited. My mom and I so excited, so thrilled when I finally got that Farrah Fawcett doll in the green and white box. And she had this white uh, sleeveless jumpsuit. I still have the doll. And she had on a white sleeveless jumpsuit. And I was thrilled to have that doll. Of course, I had all the Charlie's Angels dolls. I got the Jill doll first. And then I got Sabrina. Took forever to get Kelly. I mean, it took about, I think, a month before I finally got Kelly. It was unbelievable how long that took. And then, of course, when Cheryl Ladd came later on, I got the crystal. But uh, Charlie's Angels was on the cover of Time Magazine that November of 1976. It was on the cover of People Magazine, on the cover of TV Guide, not to mention the individual covers that they were all on. And Farrah, of course, was in the, was in the lead. Farrah Fawcett was on pretty much every magazine cover that you could even think of. She was a phenomenon. 
And I think that that show alone, the fact that it made its debut in 1976, I think that that right there really helped to define the rest of the year. Because People Magazine put out, like they always do, the most intriguing people of the year. Well, Farrah Fawcett, of course, on the cover, along with King Kong, Jimmy Carter, and Robert Redford. Farrah Fawcett's picture was bigger than all of theirs. So that, again, was saying a lot. So Charlie's Angels was on Wednesday nights. First, you had The Bionic Woman, then you had Beretta, then you had Charlie's Angels. Also making its debut in 1976, by the way, was Family, another Aaron Spelling show, another ABC hit that was about the Lawrences in California. I think they lived in Pasadena. That was the show that made Christy McNichol a big star and a household name. And she won two Emmys for her role as Buddy on that show. So 1976 was an unforgettable year for television. And of course, you have to remember the TV shows that were, you know, still on the air at the time that were, you know, very successful and very popular. Um, 1976 meant the uh, breakup of Joe and Rhoda's marriage over on Rhoda, which Rhoda is probably going to be the next, uh, one of the next episodes that I do. I've been binge watching Rhoda to kind of re-familiarize myself with some of the later years of the show. I have the first two years down, but it's the later years I'm trying to kind of get more familiar with those last couple of seasons. But uh, yeah, that too, a defining moment in television for the year. Definitely, I think that along with the death of James Evans, the wor- if I had to do a list of the worst TV uh, episodes or events, like the guy did the list on YouTube of the worst 10 songs of the year. If I had to do a list of the worst TV events of the year, those two would be at the top of the list. The death of James Evans, because John Amos was killed off good times in 1976. The show definitely not the same. Stayed on for three more years, but it was not the same. James Evans brought so much to that show. And with him not being there, it just, it just was not the same. There are people who don't even watch the remaining three seasons. They only watch the James Evans years. They watch the first three seasons solely, and that's it. So anyway, if I had to pick uh, worst TV events, those are at the top of the list. The breakup of Joe and Rhoda and the death of James Evans. Now I could think about other, you know, events that, you know, could make the list uh, maybe I should have thought about that before I start this episode, but I just didn't think in that direction. I just was so busy writing down what was on. I didn't think about what negative, you know, uh, I didn't think about going in the direction of Homeboy over there on YouTube with his list about the songs. Another thing I could add was the way that they kind of um, took Phyllis, the TV show Phyllis, in the wrong direction. Because Phyllis was a top 10 show. When it uh, finished the 75-76 season, Phyllis finished at, I think, number seven. Uh, Number six, actually. Well, they decided to move Phyllis to a different job. And she, you know, had these different co-workers. And the changes that they made pretty much killed the show. And it ended the following year. It ended in 1977 after a two-year run. So I would have to say that also... uh, jacking up Phyllis and making those unnecessary changes. I'd have to include that. That was not a good idea. Um, I would have to say that 
definitely taking Harry O off the air was a bad idea. They took Harry O off actually for Charlie's Angels. Now, I love Charlie's Angels. That is my favorite all-time TV show uh, when it comes to when I was growing up, when I was a kid. That's my favorite TV show. And I have an episode coming up about that in the coming weeks. Nothing about Charlie's Angels, the whole episode, that's it. But to take off Harry O for it was a bad idea on the part of ABC. But Fred Silverman, who was president of ABC at the time, did not like Harry O for whatever reason. I have no idea as to why. I happen to love Harry O. Seeing David Jansen in a role like that was very refreshing because most of us remember him from being Dr. Richard Kimball on The Fugitive. Well, Harry O was nothing like Richard Kimball. Harry O was laid back. He was funny. He had a very dry wit and sense of humor. The dude was always on the bus, always trying to solve cases by riding the bus or bumming rides or whatever because his car was always in the shop. Harry O was a delightful show to watch. And well, first of all, Charlie's Angels was going to be called Harry's Angels, but they changed it to Charlie because of Harry O. So for whatever reason, Fred Silverman decided to, well, we're not going to have Harry O and Harry's Angels. Harry O's got to go. Despite the fact that they changed the name to Charlie's Angels, he still canceled Harry O. So I would have to, again, that's another one. I, that's that's number four I would include if I were to make a list. I, mean, I think I'm making a list right now during this episode. I'm making a list. So I've got four things on already. I don't know if I'm going to get to ten, but I've got four. Let's just stop at five. Let's just stop at five. I don't know if I could get to ten like the guy did with the music. But you've got four terrible TV mistakes that I've mentioned right there. But if I had to name one more, it probably would be, um, and I kind of feel a little bit guilty about saying this, um, I mentioned Afternoon Delight. And I mentioned the Starland Vocal Band. I think that was their name, Starland Vocal Band. Um, They had a variety show briefly. I've never seen it. I've only heard about it. Only thing I know about it is that it didn't last very long. And Peter Bergman, who has been Jack Abbott on The Young and the Restless for 30 years, over 30 years, was a part of the show. That's all I know about it. And um, I just can't picture them having a variety show. I don't know. There's something about that. It's just kind of like, I know the song was popular. The song was a big, big hit. Like I said, it won a couple of Grammys. But for them to have a variety show, I don't know. I kind of think that that was not the best idea, but it didn't last very long. So maybe if I were to round out this list, it would be at number five. I could probably find something else that could, you know, be at number five instead. I could even probably get to number 10 if I really had to give this a lot of thought. Because, you know, I'm sure there were definitely some other mistakes within TV that, uh, you know, were not good for 1976. But those five, I think, is enough. Um, there are people to this day in 2022 who are still upset about the breakup of Joe and Rhoda, who still are mad about the death of James Evans. So people are still feeling this all of these years later. So I think that's going to really kind of wrap up my little list of the five worst things in TV for 1976. I think that's going to do it.
Oh, another TV show that debuted in 76, Wonder Woman with Linda Carter. Yes, Wonder Woman made its debut again on ABC. It moved to CBS the following year and it stayed there until it ended in 1979. But 1976 was a great year for TV. I mean, so many good TV shows were on the air. So much fun stuff to watch. That was when I really kicked up my TV watching. Because before that, I kind of just watched what the family watched. But in 76, I started really finding TV shows on my own. And introducing my family to them, which is kind of funny that this little kid is introducing her family members, all these adults, to TV shows that they didn't know anything about. But the thing is that they loved them all. Everything I introduced them to, they liked. So that, that makes it even more funny, more humorous. But that was a great time in TV history. I think that 1976 alone was a part of the golden age in TV history. And I'm so glad to this very day that I was a part of it because most of the shows that I have mentioned throughout this episode, most of the shows that I have written down and that I have listed and mentioned, I watched. Now, I didn't watch everything that was on TV in 76. I didn't watch MASH. I could never get into MASH. I tried and tried and tried to get into MASH. It just never happened. I uh, did not watch that show, Good Heavens, that I mentioned. I never, I had never even heard of that show. I need to look that up. I don't know anything about what it's about or anything. Um, and there were some other shows that I didn't watch either. I can't think of them at the moment. But most of the shows that were on TV in 1976 on network TV, I watched. And of course, that doesn't even include shows like Hee Haw or Soul Train or American Bandstand or all the cartoons, Fat Albert, for instance. That doesn't even include all of those. But I did a lot of TV watching during that time, and I enjoyed it tremendously. It was a lot of fun to do. Um, trying to think of any other TV shows I just did not really watch. I didn't watch Chico and the Man either. I didn't discover Chico and the Man until the early 80s in syndication. Um, don't know why that happened, how that happened. I think because I would watch Sanford and Son, and then after it ended, I would turn over and watch the rest of Donnie and Marie. And I think that's how I missed Chico and the Man. So I didn't watch that either. Um, I didn't watch Del Vecchio. I didn't watch uh, Petroselli. So there were some shows that I, I did miss. I didn't watch everything that was on TV. But I watched about, I guess, a good 80, maybe even 90% of it. Because it was just a lot of fun stuff. A lot of variety as well. If you just think about the titles of shows I just mentioned, there was a lot of variety in those shows. You had the sitcoms and the cop shows, and, and, and you had hour-long shows. You had family shows. You had shows with teenagers. It was like what's happening, and one day at a time, you had teenagers in those shows. And then, of course, you had Barnaby Jones. You had Kojak, Policewoman, um, you know, all of the shows with the detectives. And um, so there was a lot of variety. And, of course, you had All in the Family. You had Good Times. And then you had Merritt Hall and Moore's show. You had the variety shows like The Carol Burnett Show and Sunny and Cher. So there was a lot of variety that was on during that time as well. There was something for everybody. And TV has, in my personal opinion, and this isn't just someone, you know, just an older person who's just being cynical. Because a lot of people my age are very cynical about everything that's going on these days. That's not what I'm trying to, to, to emulate. But I do think that the TV that is on today... And I'm not saying there are no good TV shows on. I don't really know what TV shows are on today. 
But I really kind of think that TV has not been this good since. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, even TV in the 80s and the 90s, there were a lot of great shows on during those eras as well. But I just think that this era that we're talking about right now, 1976, I think that 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 was the peak of it. That was television's peak. I think it supersedes anything that was the, the TV lineups from years before and in years since. I'm sure there are a lot of people who would disagree with me on that, but that's just my opinion. There was so much good stuff on. And like I said, there was something for everybody, something that everyone would want to see. And it's been very hard to replicate that, to duplicate that over the years. But I am so glad I ran across that guy's video because not only did I have a good laugh at some of the stuff he was saying, he was saying some crazy outlandish stuff. But it gave me the idea to bring this episode into fruition. And I had fun going and looking at the ratings, looking at the TV listings, and just doing my research and my homework. I had a lot of fun with it and uh, had a lot of fun doing this episode as well, which I'm going to go ahead and bring to a close now. Now, whether I'll do any more years like this, maybe. I can see myself doing another year uh, of TV like this, not anytime soon, but I can see it happening. Uh, so stay tuned. And until next time, I will see you then. <laughs>